Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. All right, so we're going to get the book of Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And it's the story of a guy named Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus is blind. So we're going to uh, kind of jump into this, both feet, and just start rolling. All right, train is leaving the station. Then they came to Jericho, this is Jesus, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside begging. So the scene is Jesus is leaving Jericho. There's a guy on the side of the road who is begging uh, for, for money so that he can make a living. This is his job. This is how he survives. But in our mind, I think sometimes we think of Jesus and his disciples as Jesus and his 12 disciples. So it's like 13 people leaving a city, beggars on the side. That's the scene. But it's not actually the scene. Because Jesus had 12 disciples. Do you guys ever remember the Bible referring to the 72 disciples? that he sent out. So, so there's the 12, there's the 72, and then he picked the 72 from among all of his disciples. So there's even more beyond that. So Jesus is rolling out of Jericho with a massive entourage of people. Huge. It's a parade. It's a crowd moving out. The commotion would have been terrific. The noise level would have been insane as all of these people walk with Jesus out of Jericho. And there, in the midst of the crowd, right on the outskirts of it, is a man named Bartimaeus. He is a part of the crowd, but he is not a part of the crowd. You ever been there? Like, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not like everyone else. Seems like everyone else knows something that I don't know. Everyone else is feeling something that I don't feel. Maybe that's you, right here, right now. You look around, I don't know if I'm like all these other people. That's Bartimaeus. I remember one time I was on vacation in Colorado. I think it was like one of the first times we vacationed in Colorado as a family. My, we got done hiking and we wanted to get some lunch, so we went to Chipotle, and this is when it was like still good, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> And, and so, like, we were in the line. I just, I just kind of had to go to the bathroom, all right? Get a little personal for a second. So I said, babe, can you just wait in line with the kids? The line was, like, out the door. And I was like, can you just wait here? I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. And I, and I ran around the corner to the bathroom, and I walked in, and I was like, man, what kind of weird Colorado bathroom is this? It feels different. It looks different. There's no, there's no urinals in this Colorado men's bathroom. <laughs> so you guys get it. I didn't get it. It's like, whatever. So I go, I go to the bathroom, I come out, and I'm washing my hands, and I look over, and there's this woman staring at me with a shock on her face. (laughs) And you know what I think? What is this woman doing (laughs) in the men's bathroom? (laughs) I'm a little slow. I get it, okay? (laughs) And I look on the other way, and there's another woman staring at me, and it hit me. I'm in the wrong place, not they're in the wrong place, right? Bartimaeus was a part of the crowd, but he wasn't a part of the crowd. I was a part of the women's bathroom crowd, but I was not a part of that crowd. Does that make sense? See, sometimes we get into positions and places that we are there, but we're not there. Bartimaeus was there, but he wasn't there. He wasn't like, he wasn't a disciple of Jesus. He didn't even know it was Jesus. It's a crowd. What, what, what's everybody here for? But then it says this. When he heard, 
because he can't see. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He got a little passionate. He got a little loud. Kind of got a little out there. Why? You guys know why, right? Because he's blind. <laughs> and he wants to see. And it's Jesus that can help him see, right? And so he's calling to him, Jesus, Jesus, come, I'm blind. I don't know where you are. So he has to call out, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. I want to see. But look what the people around him say. They say this, many rebuked him. They told him, you got to be quiet. But I love this next line. It says, but he shouted all the more. They told him, you, you can't do it like that. You're making a fool out of yourself. You're getting a little too loud. He decided, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to get a little louder. You got to ask yourself, why? Why would he do that? You know what I'm saying? Why, why would he shout that out, even when people are telling him to be quiet? Well, think about it. If you were blind, would you try to see? You would, wouldn't you? Would you go to the doctor? <coughs> Excuse me. Would you go to the witch doctor? Would you go to the priest? Would you go to the prophet? Would you go to your mother-in-law? If you could see, if they could help you see, would you go to them? Yeah. Yes, you would. You think he tried all those things? I think he did. I don't think the first thing he is, I'm blind, I'm just going to go beg. I don't think that was his first conclusion. I think his first conclusion was, I'm blind, I want to see so I'm going to do what I can to go see. And it, as he tried the priest, and as he tried the prophet, and as he tried whatever it was out there, it obviously didn't work because he's still blind. And so when these people tell him, hey, you got to cool that down a little bit, you're getting a little rowdy, he decided that it didn't matter what they had to say. Because I've already tried it their way. I've already done the things that the world can give me. I've already done the things that life has thrown my way. I've already tried the doctors in their way, and it didn't work, so I found someone that I know can heal me. So it doesn't matter what they have to say. They can't heal me. Only one can. So if they're telling me to be quiet, I don't care, because I tried it their way. It didn't work, but there's Jesus. There's a Jesus right over there that I know his way works. Maybe you're here today, and you've had those same kind of conversations, maybe in your own mind, in your own heart, in, in your own life, where you kind of go, or maybe somebody said it to you, oh, it's a little bit too much. You're getting a little too far into this Jesus thing, right? How many, how many church services do you go to on a Sunday? Like, more than one? What is wrong with you? You, you serve, you show up early or you stay late to, to break down that portable church. Portable churches aren't even real churches. They ain't got their own building. Like, what's wrong with you? You're giving how much of your money to, do, to Jesus? 10%? Oh my gosh, what is wrong with you, right? Like, you're getting involved. You don't go on Sunday only, but you go to the, to, to the heart and salt. You go to that too. You go to your small group. You're going, you're spending your vacation on a missions trip. What is wrong with you? You ever hear that? You ever hear those voices going on in your head? 
Maybe it's a little, may, oh man, you work in the kids' ministry, you must be, oh, you must hate yourself, right? Like, do you, <laughs> you ever hear that, right? You ever hear that? You need, to, you need to simmer that down. You get too much passion. You're giving too much. You're going too far. That's what they're saying to him. Can I tell you? The world may tell you you're doing too much, you're going too far, you're doing too many things, you're giving up too much, but I'm telling you, the world's way doesn't work. It doesn't, there's only one that can heal you. There's only one that can open your eyes. And he had vision that nobody else had. He was blind, but he could see something that nobody else could see. He could see Jesus. And he knew that that's where his destiny was. That's where his healing was. That's where his future was. So it didn't matter what the world had to say because he knew that the world couldn't heal him anyway. So he called even louder and he shouted even louder and he got bolder and bolder as the time went on. And then something incredible happens. The very next verse says, Jesus stopped. That doesn't sound significant on the surface. But let's define this for just a minute. In the book of John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And by Him, all things were created. So by Jesus, all things were created in the world. When there was light that was needed, He said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be uh, water and, and seas separated from the land. Boom. Let there be plants and animals and birds and fish. And then he scraped together the dust of the earth and breathed life into it. He is the creator of all things. He is walking down the road and the creator of the universe stops for that guy. The blind, broken beggar. He stops. I want to be the kind of person that when I call out to God, he goes, yeah, I think I heard that one. You think Bartimaeus was alone that day? Of course he wasn't. There was a crowd. But there was only one person that Jesus stopped for. And that's not the only thing that's incredible. It's not about what Jesus had already done, but it's about what Jesus was going to do. See, Mark chapter 10, at the very end of the chapter, we read this story about Bartimaeus and Jesus. Chapter 11 is what's known as the triumphal entry. You guys know what that is? It's where Jesus gets into the city of Jerusalem and people are excited to see him. They're shouting, Hosanna. They're welcoming him into the city of Jerusalem. And at the end of that week, it's known as the week of passion, Jesus will be arrested, falsely accused, crucified, dead and buried, and risen again. Yet Jesus hears the cry of a broken, blind beggar and puts the salvation of the world on pause to go, what was that guy saying again? You think he'll do that for him in that moment, in that season, what will he do for you? The creator of the universe stopped, which is incredible, but he stopped his plan to go save the world for a moment to talk to this guy. Don't let anyone ever tell you that God isn't around. Don't let any lie enter your head that says he's too busy with other things that he doesn't have time for you. He put it all on pause for one man on the side of the road. And he'll do it for you too. 
So Jesus stopped and he says, call him. Bring that guy over here. And then they, so look, look, look at the crowd. So fickle. So they called the blind man and they tell him, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Crazy, right? The same people that were telling him, it's a little too loud, you need to shut up. We're now on the other side going, he's calling you, cheer up, get up. The crowd can be so fickle. It reminds me of the people that when Jesus did do that triumphal entry, at one point they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, we, we want to make you king. And then a couple days later they're saying, crucify, crucify, crucify. You can't trust the crowd, can you? In my own life, I've seen this happen. The same people that are telling you, mm, that's a little bit too much. You're at that church a little too often. You're doing too many things. You're giving too much. Those same people are the ones that are going to one day say, man, cheer up. Get up. He's calling you. I've, I've lived that. When I was in high school, I was a rower. Do you guys know what that is? Rowing the long skinny boats, spandex. Okay, that was me. That was me. Uh, and so I was captain. I was like oarsman of the year. It's like MVP, most valuable player, like, except for their oarsman instead. And so I had this college scholarship uh, for athletics and academics to go uh, pursue a degree. And I graduated high school. I was all set to go. But then I went to a youth camp and a mission strip in back-to-back weeks. And God got a hold of my heart. And he, and he started to say to me, hey, you've made your plans for your life, but I've got a new vision for your life. I got a new future. I got a new destiny for you. And so I said yes, and he said, I want you to be a pastor. Now, I'm in, all of us are in ministry. So it wasn't that he called me to ministry. He called me to vocational, being a pastor. And so I said yes. And so I walked across the street. I was in a mission trip in downtown Miami in, in one of the worst neighborhoods. I walked across the street to Lizzie's laundromat. And I went to the payphone because we didn't have cell phones. It was a while ago, okay? I put a quarter in and I called and nobody answered at my house. So I left a voicemail on the tape recorder voicemails. You guys remember those? Full size cassette. I said, Mom, Dad, God called me to go into ministry full time. Uh, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to change. I'm going to go pursue ministry degree. And, uh, okay, I love you. I'll see you when I get back. Bye. Clink. <laughs> it went over like a lead balloon. You know what I'm saying? I got home. They were like, you can't do that. And I'm like, but I am. But God called. Like, like, I had a vision for my life, like Bartimaeus, that nobody else saw. But I saw it. And I had friends going, no, you can't do that. Like, you're giving up hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarship. You can't, you can't do that. You can't, the family members, friends, people around me, like, like schoolmates, everybody, no, you can't do that. It's a waste. You're, you're giving, it's, you, this is an opportunity. You can't do that. You need to quit being so passionate, right? But you know what happens now? Seven years ago, we started our church and I preach and I preach and I preach and I serve God and I, whatever he says for us to do, we say Yes. Over a 1,000 people have committed their life to Christ through the existence of our church over the last seven years. And those same people that used to say, you can't do this, it's too much, it's too far, are the ones that meet me at the door after service going, you are made for this. This is your destiny. 
We were so wrong when we told you you shouldn't be doing this. You can't throw that away. You gotta, we were so wrong. See, the same people that at one time in your life that are saying it's too much, you can't follow God with that much passion, that much heart, that much sacrifice, it's too much, are the ones that will one day be telling you, you were made for this. You're right in the middle of God's will for your life. You're supposed to be chasing him even more. They're encouraging you instead of discouraging you. This is the story of those who say yes to him and say no to whatever the world has got. This is the story. And so they say to him, cheer up, he's calling you. And then something incredible happens, and it doesn't look incredible again, but every line in this story is so powerful. The next verse says this, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now this is so, so important. You see, in that day, they didn't have the, 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 the social systems that we have in North America, right? Right? They don't have uh, welfare. They don't have handicap and disability uh, things. They just had, hey, he, he, here's how you do it. You beg on the side of the road, and hopefully people give you something. But the only thing the Romans could do, because they were the ones ruling at this time, that to guarantee that they could help people that were lower in income or had a, a disability, uh, they, they would give them a cloak, like an official cloak. And this cloak would represent that when somebody would walk by and drop money in the cloak, they would see that it's an official cloak and that this person was not faking their blindness, but they were genuinely blind. So this, this cloak identified them as someone with a disability. It was their livelihood. It was their identity. It was who they were. Does that make sense to you guys? And so he had this cloak before him, maybe a few coins laid in there, shouting to Jesus. And when Jesus said, come on over here, what did he do with his old way of life? Took it to the side. When his, with his old way of making money, what did he do? Pitch it to the side. When, when, with his old identity, the, the thing that defined him as a, as a disabled individual, he said, I'm not going to need this anymore. Some of us in this room have an identity that we're unwilling to let go of when Jesus calls. I don't know what it is. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. Maybe it's something your parents told you, a coach. Maybe it's an addiction that's defined you. Maybe it's something you did or something that was done to you. But every time Jesus calls, there's a cloak that needs to be removed so that we can get to him. And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, okay? Jesus opens his eyes at the end of the story, okay? But do you think for a minute after his eyes were opened, did he wonder if I could get my old cloak back? Do you ever think he wondered, oh, there was a couple coins there. I wonder if I could go back and pick them up. Or was he so satisfied with his new identity as a man that had been healed that it didn't matter what the past had? In all of our lives, there is something that needs to be left on the side of the road as we go to Jesus. There's something that needs to be left behind. There's some identity that doesn't need to be a part of your life anymore because Jesus wants to do something new in you. So he throws the cloak aside and he chases after Jesus. And then the very next verse, verse 51, Jesus asks the strangest question. He says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? 
the dude's blind. Like, what do you think? Like, you're Jesus. You're supposed to know these things already, right? He's blind. You're Jesus. Let's, I think we could make the mental leap to understand that maybe Bartimaeus wants to see again, right? So Jesus, why would Jesus ask such a ridiculous question to a blind man? Could it be that it wasn't that Jesus didn't know, but that he wanted to hear Bartimaeus say it? Could it be that, that Jesus knew exactly what he had for him, the miracle he had for him, the destiny he had for him, the vision he had for him, but he wanted to hear Bartimaeus say it? He wanted to hear the faith in his voice. He wanted to hear the hope in his voice. He wanted to hear it coming out of his own mouth. I think it's a tragedy that if Jesus were in this room right now, perhaps many of us, if Jesus asked us this very question, we wouldn't have an answer as clear and precise as Bartimaeus has. If Jesus came to you right now and said, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? Is it as mind-blowing and earth-shattering and kingdom-building as a miracle the size of opening his eyes? Now, Bartimaeus doesn't have to be his old self. He can actually go along the road and follow Jesus and be a disciple and change everything about his life. That is earth-shatteringly huge. It changes everything about Bartimaeus and the people around him, right? Do you have an answer that would change everything about your life and the people around you in such a way that it would impact the kingdom of God? Or do we go, oh, it'd be nice to have a bigger house, Jesus. Could I have some more stuff or can you get me a raise? That'd be nice. Maybe some more vacation time. Like those aren't the answers that, that cause the heart of Christ to stop. You see, the answer to this question is what drove Bartimaeus the entire time. He knew the answer to this question before it was ever asked. Because it's the answer to this question, which actually, let me just read it to you, okay? It says this, the blind man said, Rabbi, or teacher, I want to see. Very clear, right? This is what I want. And it's this answer that caused him to call out in the first place. See, we, if we don't know the answer to this question, we never call on Jesus to begin with. And when people tell us to be quiet, we become quiet if we don't have an answer to this question. And when Jesus calls you and says, come to me, if we don't have an answer to this question, we're stuck with an old identity going, I don't know if I can give up all this old life, this old things, my old livelihood, my old way of doing things, my old identity. I don't know if I can give this up. But Bartimaeus knew the answer to the question. So when he called, he called loudly. And when they told him to be quiet, he called louder. And when it came time to shed the old identity and get rid of the old stuff, he said, absolutely, I have an answer to the question. And it's that faith that caused Jesus to stop in the first place. But too many times, we get so satisfied in our comfort that we sacrifice the transformation that God has for us. We get so stuck in the way it's always been that we miss out on the way it could be. There's a cloak to be removed. There's a, sh a shout that needs to come even in the midst of adversity. And it's the answer to this question that drove it all. And then Jesus says yet another kind of strange thing. The very next verse says this, go, said Jesus, your faith 
has healed you. None, Jesus, my faith didn't heal me. You healed me. Like, if I'm Bartimaeus, that's what I'm thinking. How about you guys? Like, no, Jesus, if I could heal me, I would have healed me a long time ago. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. It was your faith. He said, I had the miracle the whole time. But it wasn't until your faith caused you to call, persevere, sacrifice to get to me that you actually could lay hold of it. It's been here the whole time. But it was your determination of following the Son of God and calling in faith to him that actually moved you to where the miracle is instead of taking the miracle to where you are. Does it make sense? He says, your faith has healed you. And then it says, immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus. He didn't go back to his old life. He followed Jesus along the road. I think sometimes in our life, Jesus passes by and we miss him. That Jesus comes right on by, but we never say a word because we're too worried about what other people might think. Oh, you need to be quiet. That's a little bit too much. Where we're too worried that we have to give up our our current lifestyle, the, the income we have, our cloak, our identity, right? We're too worried about it. But if Bartimaeus didn't call out in that moment at that time, he would have missed Jesus forever. Because that was the last time Jesus was ever going to leave Jericho. Because that next week he's in Jerusalem. That next week he's on a cross. That next week he's ascending into heaven. Never came by again. And here's the sad part. You think he was the only beggar on the side of the road that day? There's probably a guy who couldn't walk right next to him. And another blind guy on the other side. And on the other side of the road, there was someone else with another need, someone else that needed a touch from Jesus. But he's the only one that saw what other people couldn't see, and he called out, and he called again, and he came to Jesus, and he says, I want to see. There's a verse in the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, I read it a couple years ago and rocked my world. Verse one, it says this. The Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. He's leaving Jericho. Nobody's calling. Well, Bartimaeus did, and that's why we're preaching about him today, aren't we? There's people that were silent. I was ready to be found. No one was looking for me. He even gets proactive. He says, I said, here I am. Here I am. To a nation that did not call my name. I wonder how many times in my life and I wonder how many times in your life that Jesus passed by and he's going, hey, I'm here. I'm moving on through. Hey, I'm here. I, I, got, I got all the miracles. All you have to do is like have the faith to, to get up and walk, right? Like it's just, got all, I'm, I'm moving through. Here I am. Here I am but we never call. We're never willing to kind of break the comfort zone to say, you know what, that vision for my life is best. It doesn't matter what the world has. I want to I follow that for you. I want to I follow you for the things that my destiny is in you, not in anything else. What, how can I do that? Jesus is passing by. and He's got something for each and every one of us. He's got something waiting, a dream, a destiny, a hope, a vision for all of us. 
question is, are we, when he says, here I am, are we saying, son of David, have mercy on me? Are we calling out?